All right, guys, we started this series about two months ago, a little over two months ago, and it came, really, the whole thought of doing this series came out of finishing up Second Peter, where Second Peter addresses the whole issue of the coming of Jesus and that it's real and that you need to be prepared. So then, as I was thinking about what do I pray, because I'm always praying, what do I do next? I do that, I mean, like two months ahead. I'm like, what do we do after this, Lord? What do we do after this? The thought came to my mind, go to Matthew 24 and 25, because that's where I talk about what you do in preparation. And we saw that, beginning of 24. It's not a very detailed description of what's going to happen, but he gives us a description, okay? And then the end of 24, he talks about how people respond. And then at 25, he gives us three parables about what you and I should be doing. And it's actually amazing because if you think about it, the parables build on each other. Okay? The parables build on each other. So remember the first parable was the parable of the virgins, whether or not they would be prepared, whether or not they would be watching for when Jesus came. The second parable is about the servants who received talents, what they were doing while the master was away, and that he would come back and he would call them into account for what they did while he was gone. Today, this parable, the sheeps and the goats, talks about when he comes back in the day of reckoning. And my friends, there is going to be a day of reckoning. Now, I need to set this up because this passage can be very confusing to some people because when we look at what he says in this passage, you're going to be like, well, wait, hold on, that's not what I understood. I'm saved, I'm okay. What in the world's going on here? Well, let me set you set this up for you because context, understanding to whom it was written, to whom Jesus is speaking to, and the mindset that's going on will help this passage come alive to you. So let me just kind of communicate what's happening here. First of all, this gospel is written by Matthew, who was, if you remember, one of the disciples who was a tax collector, so therefore he was Jewish. He's writing primarily to Jews. And he's showing us that Jesus is talking to Jews. He's communicating to his disciples, to a Jewish audience. Now let's remember what Jews think at this time period. Jews think that the only ones who have access to God are who? Jews. And in their mind, your access to heaven or to the blessings of the promise comes because you are a what? A Jew. So everyone is a Jew has access to what, folks? Heaven. They're, he's not... In their mind, Jesus is not talking about Gentiles. That comes later. There's no concept of the church here. Don't enter any of that into this passage. Think of it as Jesus is talking to a group of people who all think that they're going to what? Make it. That they all think they're going to heaven. And Jesus is coming along, and that's been true for all of these passages. He's coming along and saying, no, that's not true. Not everyone's going to make it who thinks they are. And he's already showed us that. Why? Because some aren't prepared. They aren't looking for it. What? Some don't do anything while I'm gone. 
They had a wrong concept of me. We saw that in the last one. Now, we're going to see the issue of the goats and the sheep. So I want to just set that up. Because this passage, even though it's written to the Jews, is important to us. Why? Because, again, I'm going to give you the same two points that I've given you the last few weeks. You and I have a responsibility. We have a responsibility with the information that we receive and what to do with it. So here's two things. I'm going to point it out to you again. Number one, information that you have received always requires something of you. Now, you say, wait a minute, George. Now, you just said this is to, spoken to Jews. What does that have to do with me? So, because this isn't, this isn't applicable to me. In fact, there's a group of people who would say that, and I would say you're wrong. This is applicable to you because you do belong to a people of God. But the problem is not everybody who's in the people of God now are the people of God. Do you understand that? Do not be deceived that think just because everybody who comes to church, everybody who says they're Christian is a Christian. That's not true. And one day that's going to be revealed. In fact, we see them sometimes, don't we? Just attendance and having Bible knowledge does not reveal to you that you are a child of God. And we're actually going to see that today in this passage. So, information that you have received always requires something of you. And if you are a follower of Jesus, when you have this information, you've got to do something with it. What do you got to do? Serve him. Live the way that he wants you to live. Be ready for him. So that brings me to the second point. Understanding the future must impact your life now. That's the whole premise of this whole series is that when you and I understand that Jesus Christ is coming back and that there is going to be a day of reckoning for everyone, that's got to impact the way that you live your life now. Period. Because you don't know how long you have. Nobody knows the day or the time. Nobody. Understand that. Live with that reality. So... Let's come to this parable then. It's the final one. It's the longest parable of the three parables in chapter 25. But it's pretty significant. So I want you to notice with me, we're in chapter 25. We're going to start with verse 31. And we're going to go through verse 46. Notice with me. Here's what Jesus said. And he's speaking of himself. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him. Then he will sit upon the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from another, as the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. 
Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and gave you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothed you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he'll say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer and say to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Oh, now you understand why this would seem confusing because you thought it's about whether or not you have your life, your name written in the book of life. And yes, that is true. It's about whether or not you have your name written in the book of life. But this is going to point out something different. This goes along with the other passages about how you live your life now. So let's talk about this. We're going to see, first of all, if we take this passage, we're going to see the coming judgment. We're going to see that in verses 31 to 33. You need to realize that there's a coming judgment, folks. The scripture talks about it, not just here, but in other places, many places in the scripture, there is a coming judgment. And then we're going to see the Lord's judgment. We're going to see how he executes judgment, why he does that in this passage. And hopefully, my hope is, is that for myself and for you, we're going to walk away here with a better understanding of what Jesus expects from us. If you call on the name of Jesus, there's an expectation of how you live your life now. So hopefully we'll see it. So let's take a look. First of all, verse 31 and 33. Let me read these to you again. When the Son of Man comes, first of all, Son of Man is a title for the Messiah, who is Jesus. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his holy angels with him, then he will sit upon his throne of glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate one from another as the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he will set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on his left. All right, so let's talk about these. Three things I want you to see here. Okay, here's the first one. When Jesus returns with his angels, he will be on his throne of glory. Okay? He will sit on his throne of glory. When Jesus returns with his angels, he will sit on his throne of glory. Here's another passage. This is a scary one. Revelation chapter 20 verse 11 refers to this. This happens after his return. Here's what John says. I saw a great white throne 
and him who sat on it, and from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Paul, in his writings, refers to this day. Are you ready for this? You want to write this down? The day of terror. Now, I think we can all understand that, right? Because we all understand days of reckoning, right? Because you've experienced them, hopefully. What do you mean, hopefully? Well, I can remember growing up in my household, doing something dumb as a teenager and getting in trouble, and my mama saying to me, wait till your daddy gets home. How many of you ever had that happen? That you'll be honest about? Some of you are like, shit, I don't see your hand. How many of you would say, yes, that happened? Okay, all right, listen. Do you remember waiting for when your daddy got home? And do you remember the terror when he did get home that you were feeling? Because you knew what was coming. A reckoning, right? It was a day of reckoning. This is the whole point of the passage here. When Jesus comes with his angels, he will sit on his the glory of his throne. John says, and everybody's going to be scared. Paul refers to it as the day of terror. It's the day of reckoning. It's serious business. Serious business, okay? Serious business. Here's the second thing I want you to see, okay? Second thing I want you to see. All humanity will be gathered before him for judgment. All humanity. Notice what it says there, verse 22. All nations will be gathered before him. Now, let me explain to you, when the Bible talks about nations, it is not talking about nations like we talk about today. You and I, when we think of nations, we think of land areas with borders that have their own government. Okay? So like USA, Canada, Mexico. We think in terms of that. That is not what the Bible thinks in terms of, because when the Bible was written, they didn't have borders of nations like that. Nations refers to people groups. Ethne is the word. Ethnicities. So all of the peoples is basically what it's saying here. All of the peoples of the world will be gathered together. All humanity, every language, every tongue, every race will be gathered before him for judgment. In fact, Revelation chapter 20 says that all of those nations will be gathered together, all of the peoples will be gathered, and the books will be open. What are the books? Well, the books that are written with all the events of their lives. And you can't even remember what happened last week. I can't even remember what happened an hour ago. But Jesus remembers everything. Everything is written down. In fact, isn't that interesting? Because he says in the same gospel, you and I will give an account for every idle word that was spoken by us. Do you recall all of the dumb things that you have said over your lifetime? I know I got myself in trouble this morning with my wife during Sunday school. I can't remember exactly all that I said. I'll find out later. You and I don't remember those things, but the books will have that all recorded. And we'll stand before God for judgment. 
All humanity will be gathered before him for judgment. And here's what I want you to see. Humanity will be divided into two differing groups. Humanity will be divided into two differing groups. The world is going to be divided into two groups of people. What do you mean two groups of people? The righteous and what the Bible describes as the wicked. There's no in-between. The righteous, we're going to see what that is in a moment here, and the wicked. That, that, that's reality. You and I one day are going to take part in this, and, and, we're, and we're going to be divided. And there is definitely a, a sense in the Scripture, throughout the Scripture, throughout the Gospels, throughout the teaching, that humanity is going to be divided, and the church is going to be divided. What do you mean? We've already said, just from this same gospel, so I went out, sowed some good seed in the evening, the enemy came, sowed some tares, and among us are those who aren't right, who aren't followers of Jesus. But in the end, when the angels come, what? It's all going to be separated. The sheep and the goats. So the judgment, the coming judgment. What I want to focus on, and which is what throws people for a loop, is what Jesus says about that judgment. What Jesus says about what he's going to be looking at. And I want to give us an understanding, because this passage has implications for you and I. You might be saying, well, George, I already know I'm going to be okay, because I put my faith and trust in Jesus. I prayed that prayer. Yeah, I understand that. But don't rest there. Faith is not in, your salvation is not rest in some pastime activity. It's resting in who you are now. That's the reality of this passage. And we're going to see that. So I want you to bear with me. Because we've got to get through this together. Okay? So I want you to notice. Here's what we're going to see. The Lord's judgment. First of all, in verses 34 through 40, the Lord will bless those who live out their faith on the earth. Look at what he says here. He says to those on his right hand. All right, first of all, in the scripture, the right hand, I'm throwing my left hand around, the right hand, my wife was telling me in first grade, they do this to figure out which is the left. Yeah, the L. Okay, this is left. The right hand is a place of power, authority, and favor. So the righteous are put on the right hand. But look at what he says to the righteous, okay? Look with me. And the king will say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. What's going on here? He's talking about all these things that the righteous were doing because it reflected their faith. What do you mean what they were doing? Look at what it says. The stuff that he talks about here does not include church attendance, does not include how much you give, does not include how much Bible knowledge you have, doesn't include how well you dress, where you don't go, and all of this stuff. Have you noticed that list isn't there? It talks about what? Dealing with other people. 
You say, oh, wait a minute, George, I don't understand that because I was told I just need to have faith. Well, look at what James says so that you understand this is not George picking something out of the hat somewhere and giving you something new. James says this in James chapter 1, verse 27, pure and undefiled religion before God and Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Does that work salvation, George? No. That's not what he's teaching. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying here, I want you to hear me, that if you truly know him, your life will change in such a way that your faith will be expressed in how you deal with other people. Do you understand me? And that if you truly know him, because of the love of God flowing out of you, it will flow out towards who? Other people. In fact, James goes on and says, you say you have faith? Show me your faith. And I'll show you my works that I have faith. Did you understand what I'm saying? See, what happens is, is in church, we have a problem. The problem is, is that we think that being a good Christian means Perfect attendance, perfect giving, perfect knowledge of the Bible. And we've met a whole bunch of people who do that, but then you look at how they treat other people around them and how they are to those who are people in need, and you wonder, where's the disconnect? You say you love Jesus, but man, you sure don't know how to love people. Jesus is saying there is no disconnect. There should be no disconnect. You say you love me, you need to what? Love other people. In fact, isn't that what Jesus said? When he was asked what is the greatest commandment, he said, rightfully, the greatest commandment is what? Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, and what? The second is, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, on this the whole law hinges. So here's what we're seeing. Those who live out their faith on the earth will be blessed. But then he comes to that second group, the folks on the left. By neglecting the needs of others, their hearts were revealed and condemned. by neglecting their needs for others. The true condition of their hearts were revealed and they were condemned. That's what he's saying here. Jesus said, because you didn't do this, because you weren't there for the one who was a stranger, because you weren't there for the one who was sick, or you weren't there for the one who was in prison, or you weren't there for the poor, and you weren't there for the needy, and you weren't there for the one who was crying out for help, that revealed where your heart truly was at. And you were condemned. See, I'm going I'm to tell you something. Here's what I want you to hear me. And I, and I can tell you this because I get people who ask me for help all the time and some of them I have to say no to, okay? But I'm going to tell you something. If you know Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives within you, you're going to want to help people. 
Now, you have to have wisdom in doing that. And the Bible tells you, Proverbs gives you a lot of wisdom about helping people. But I want you to hear me. You're going to want to help people. But why, where does that come from? It's not because that's your general nature of a person. That comes because you have Jesus in you. And did he not help people? But if that's not there, that's a big red flag. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what's going on here. By neglecting the needs of others, their hearts were revealed and condemned. Here's what I'm telling you. Faith, true faith, is lived out. Faith is what saves you, not your actions. But out of that faith comes what, folks? Actions. You don't live the same way anymore. You don't think the same way. You look at people differently. And those that don't, there's a big question mark. Big question mark. That's what's going on here. So now I want you to see the third thing he says. And this is what you have to understand. Okay? This, you may want to put a star by. Because this will blow your mind. This is what he's saying here in this passage. Our treatment of others is equated with our treatment of Jesus. Look what he said to the right. He said the same thing to the left. When he said to the right, people on the right, you were there, you were there for the one who was sick, you were there for the one who was in prison, you were there for the one who was naked and you gave them something, you were there for the hungry and you gave them food, you, gave, you were there for the thirsty and you gave them a drink, and, and you, you did that to me, and, and they're like, Lord, when did we do that for you? Same thing to the ones on the left. You didn't do any of this, so you didn't do it for me. Lord, well, when, when did we not do that for you? And then Jesus says, when you did this or didn't do it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. What's he saying here? When you do what's right towards people, you're actually doing what's right towards God. But when you do what's wrong, you're actually doing wrong to Jesus. That is a powerful principle that is throughout the New Testament. What do you mean, George? Listen to me. Go with me. We, we, we talked about this when we went through Peter a while back. First Peter chapter 3, verse 10, he says, that, it says to the husband, Husbands, love your wives. And if you don't, I won't hear your prayers. Wow, that's a big verse for men, isn't it? Where, where did that come from? came from the very same thing he's talking about here. When you don't do it to the least of these, my brethren, you don't do it to me. If you're not treating someone right, I'm not going to listen to you, Jesus is saying. Do you see the point? Now, let's bring it back, because remember the context? He's talking to a bunch of people who think they're going to heaven because they're Jews. And he says to them, I'm telling you, the day is coming, and one day the Son of Man, that's me, is going to come back with my angels. I'm going to sit on a throne. We're going to divide the world into two groups of people. And the one group, they're blessed because they lived out their faith. And it was expressed in how they were with other people. But then there's another group. They thought they were okay, but they didn't do anything for anyone. 
They didn't live out their faith. And they went to hell. That's pretty serious, isn't it? That probably sent shockwaves to those folks who were listening to him that day. Because that is not what they were thinking. They were thinking in terms of, I'm okay. When Jesus revealed, how you live your life reveals how whether or not you're okay. Especially how you deal with other people. You know, I've said this many times. I want you to hear me. I hear people all the time telling me, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. Well, that's wonderful. Great. Anybody can say that. I can say that on a bad hair day. Okay? But you really want to know how you can tell that somebody loves Jesus? Watch how they are with other people. If you spend time with him, his love's got to flow out of you towards other people. That's reality. So you say, okay, George, what do we do with this? Okay, I mean, this is interesting. This is a way to end up this series. You said this was going to be important. How, what do we do with this? Well, here's what I want you to understand. Here's how we're going to wrap it up. It's the same two things. Again, we start out with the same two things. We're going to end with the same two things that I've been giving you over the last few weeks. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to hear me. As we digest all of these parables, the parables, number one, the ten virgins, are you ready for him? Are you watching? Are you prepared? Number two, what are you doing in the meantime? The parable of the talents. Number three now, what does he look at when he comes and see if I've been serving him? What do we do with this? Here's two things. How real is the second coming of Jesus Christ to you? How real is that? I'm hoping that through this series, it's become more real to you. I'm hoping that through this, as you look at what Jesus is focusing on, it's going to get you to reflect upon your life right now. And, and here, especially today, reflecting on how does my faith, how does the faith that I have, how is it lived out towards other people? And let me tell you right now, there's, there's several groups of people around you that it needs to be lived out to. We'll start with those of you who are in a marriage with your spouse. That goes out to your family, your kids, your grandkids. Then it comes to your church family. That's the people here. How's it lived out in your interactions with people here? Then, then it goes out beyond that to, to other people outside of that. And you can break it down into people you work with or whatever, your friends or whatever. But you, you see the thing. And, and in each one of those areas, your faith needs to be lived out to something more than just simply saying, I love Jesus and I pray to prayer. Faith has to impact your life. And so, when you consider what he's saying here about the second coming, how real is that to you? Because one day you've got to give, a, give an answer. There is a day of reckoning coming. And are you ready for it? And he's told you how to be ready for it. So then that brings me to my final point, which we're going to end this series with. 
Does the future reality affect your life now? So hear me, okay? I want you to hear me. When you stand before Jesus, he is not going to ask you, how many times did you bring your Bible to church? He is not going to ask you what the total amount of your giving was the entire time you were a believer. He's not going to ask you what percentage you gave. I don't care what that preacher told you. He's not going to ask you that. He's not going to ask you how much Bible knowledge you had. How many Bible studies you attended. By the way, I'm not discouraging you from attending those. We want you to attend them. But they're not the means of gaining brownie points with Jesus. He doesn't operate on the brownie point system. What's going to matter to him more than anything is your faith. And that's not just simple belief. It's faith that affects your life. And faith that was ultimately reflected in what? How you lived your life out with other people. That's what matters to Jesus. That's what we see from this passage. The stuff that we think matters with God doesn't matter. He reveals to us in his word what really matters. And what matters is what? Relationships. Our interaction with others. And showing them as he showed us what? The love of God. So how does this affect you? I'm hoping that it will give you pause for more than just a moment. I'm hoping that it will give you pause and maybe for some of us, including myself, will change our direction and what our focus is on and put it where it needs to be. Let me pray for you.